So let's let's talk about the bank holiday weekend. Uh, my social media feed, I don't know about yours, was full of people just absolutely lauding it up. And by that I mean, you probably saw the same thing. Cheeky beers in gardens, uh, craft ale, that kind of thing. Really brightly coloured cans, barbecues, paddle boarding, festivals, all dayers, that kind of thing. But I was looking through it thinking, what about the selfless people? Do you know what I mean? The people who sacrificed their own enjoyment so others could have a better life. The people who did the DIY over the Easter Bank holiday weekend. Put that bunk bed together. They've been putting off for ages. And all you heard when you were downstairs in the lounge is them screaming at it. Can't understand the instructions! Uh, people had to work. Sat in a Tesco fleece gilet doing the late shift in a 24-hour garage. Uh, people did the big drive. I mean, I worked the all day yesterday. Loads of people driving all over the place. Ridiculous family trips going on. Do those people get any thanks? Tell us about something selfless that you did, whether it's working, like I say, DIY, or just even making a load of food for people to have to come around your house for tea, and no one even said thank you for it, and get the medal you deserve in the style of the Star Wars medal ceremony. I'm going to throw my own hat in the ring. I know I did the uh, indie disco all day yesterday, by the way. Thank you to everyone who tweeted and got involved with that. I absolutely loved it. hope you loved it too. The thing I want to get the medal for, though, is I sat through Britain's Got Talent over the weekend, which I think is one of the most hateful programmes. I hate it. But I've been told in a feedback session from other half Katie that I moan too much during Saturday Night TV. And I'm ruining, I'm ruining it for everyone else. So I sat to sit on my hands and didn't say anything. God, I hate the programme. Is it bad that I hate Britain's Got Talent? Obviously, it's like Nana's and that playing keyboard and I should be happy for them. And it always distracting, takes our mind off what's going on in the world. But hate it. It's getting me going again now. Maybe you sat it through your in-laws the whole weekend. Get a medal. Wonder Mum says, working overtime in a homeless out-of-hours services Friday and Saturday. Good on you. She does add, uh, made up for it Sunday, though. Monkey Kong says, I've eaten all the chocolate in the West Midlands so the rest of the population can keep their fitness regimes going. That man deserves a medal. Do you? Uh, James and Newton Abbott says, Bush, your thoughts on Britain's Got Talent just made me shout yes far more emotionally than I should have. I, I don't want to get going back into it again, but there, there is an interesting point at work here where, and I've been told to stop moaning about uh, Saturday Night TV in our house because apparently I moan too much during it, but there's something about Britain's Got Talent. Do you know what I mean? I don't know what it is because you can't win because you look like uh, like a right misery guts if you, if you don't like it, but can't, can't someone just do juggling now without a sob story? Let's just have the juggling, shall we? Let's see him getting going again. Uh, we're talking about Bank Holiday Heroes on the show this evening. If you've worked or done something self selfless over the Bank Holiday weekend, tell us about it and get the medal that you deserve. Uh, Mark in Watford says, I spent the whole weekend working in a bowling alley, mainly as a chef, but also helping out in the bar when it's busy for the actual bar staff. What a good guy. We've got Damien on the line. Who would you like to nominate, Damien? It's my mum. She is in her 80s. She makes Sunday dinner every week, but there's 18 of us round the, uh, round the table this year. Whoa. So how many how many people does she cook for? 18? 18. That's that's like proper catering level. You know, it's like something out of MasterChef, the professionals. <laughs> it's two legs of lamb. Um, yeah, and she, she she doesn't let anyone help. It's her, it's, it's her thing that she does for the week. Wow. And she sounds like a formidable character. What's her name? And tell us a little bit about her, your mum. Oh, she's called Annette. Um, and uh, she's... Sort of lives with my, my elder sister, um, and we all say, you know, like let us let us do the washing up, let us do it for you one time. She went, no, 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 don't take this away from me. This is my my thing. So she spends the week. She shops Friday, peels Saturday, cooks Sunday, 
washes the dishes on Monday. <laughs> And it just it fills it fills a week up. That's amazing. It's like the stations of the cross, that isn't it? The whole the way it's set out across the days. Well, yeah, she'd agree with us that as well. Cause that's what she does on Thursdays. That's a prayer meeting on Thursdays. Oh God bless her. It sounds like they broke the mold when when they made hers. And there's, you know, she's a formidable lady. Oh, totally is. Yeah, really is. Well, it sounds like you love it a bit, and she sounds like she definitely deserves uh, to be a bank holiday hero and get a medal. Yes, definitely. Uh, someone says a shout-out to all the church musicians. Yes, that's a good point, yes. Uh, Deb says my husband, Steve-O, spent the day in the garden making it all look beautiful and ready for the good weather. He should get a medal. I agree with that. And then, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to deny this medal. Jay says, um, I was fixing coffee machines in Weatherspoons yesterday. I need a medal. I'm, I'm going to have to deny that, Jay, because uh, I don't want to get into a big argument here, but I don't think people should be drinking coffee in pubs. Or if you are going to drink coffee in a pub, have a separate section. So there's a bit to the right, maybe like um, a booth you go in and you can get coffees. And, yeah, people are having stupid drinks like a, a cocktail or an old-fashioned. Same little aisle down the end and let everyone else get on with their pints. Actually, sorry, one other one, Guinness. People wait ages for like half a Guinness, which apparently doesn't even do anything. You do the half pint and then the top bit on it as well. Apparently it makes no difference at all. So just to confirm and recap, I'm on one today. Uh, separate section in the bar, people drinking coffees, people having old fashions and silly drinks like that, and people having Guinness. Bank Holiday Heroes, have you done something selfless that you would like to nominate yourself for for a medal? Uh, on the show tonight, get in touch. You've got Mike on the line. Mike, what did you do? I support a charity that's local in the area called Children's Hospice Southwest. Yeah. And I do a bit of cycling now and again, but I I decided to do one of those stationary cycles where you put your bike on a trainer and just pedal away, cycling to nowhere, trying to raise a bit of money for them. Brilliant. And how many miles, before we find out how much you raised, how many miles did you do? Or were you going on a track in your mind that was around like a hypothetical course or something? No, no, no. All, all I did was I, I just set myself a time, which was three hours, because it was uh, just trying to fit it into the day. And I ended up doing 33 miles on the, the trainer, but I also rode to the event. So I ended up doing 60 miles in total. Blimey, and where's all this kit? Is this in a gym or you got this in your garage? No, no, it's, it's my own personal kit and I, I took it to my local uh, village hall wow. where I play um, snooker and billiards. So uh, it was all there, ready to go. So I just had to turn up and start cycling. Mike, you are the quintessential British village character and I love you for it. How much money did you raise? Um, well, it was only a small amount because lots of people were away on holiday because of Easter. But I still raised about £100. That's brilliant. That's great. I mean, it's, it's tough at the moment. There's so many things going on in this world at the moment and that are vying for attention. So it's hard to raise funds and stuff like that. And just, it's more about the fact that you got up and did something, which is fantastic. So you should be proud of yourself. You're a, you're a bank holiday hero, Mike. Thank you very much, sir. On the phone right now, we have Irene. Irene, tell everyone what you've been doing. Uh, well, I'm a cat sitter. I've got a cat sitter as a side job. And um, I've been running about or cycling about with my e-bike and looking after all sorts of cats mainly and wow. uh, feeding them and uh, cleaning out litter trays and everything. Wow, so that's yeah. a hell of a bank holiday weekend. It's, give us the total number of animals and different types of animals you're looking after. Uh, well, it was over the total of the Easter holidays, which is two weeks. It was a total of three rats and 14 different cats. <laughs> in a, um, it's probably across eight or uh, nine households. So some of the households had multiple pets. And, uh, yeah. Wow, so you cycle to someone's home. Uh, they've obviously left you the key. You get in, make sure the cat's yeah. okay, feed them a little bit, you know, and then back yeah. on your bike Spend to the next place. 
Yeah, and then spend time with them uh, up to half an hour, and that's uh, where it adds up. <laughs> Brilliant. And then, <laughs> in terms of spending ha- time with them half an hour, obviously you can play with them a little bit. What's the go-to yeah. cat thing to play these days? A bit of a laser pen or dazzle watch on window with mm. reflection? Mainly like little dangly toys. Okay. Uh, so they kind of like go after it, and uh, yeah, they they love kind of dangly toys. So you have like a something or other on a string which dangles from a, a stick, and uh, yeah, they love that. Most of the cats do that. Okay, and then rats. I mean, what do you do? What do you do with rats? Do you feed a rat and think, why, why does someone want this as a pet? Um, yeah, I'm not sure to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I've been just feeding them and then cleaning them with like so cleaning the cage a little bit with a wet wipe kind of thing, but uh, right. they pee everywhere. Right. Stinky. And and Irene, you said this is a side job. What else? What what other thing do you do? Uh, I'm a data analyst. Wow. Uh, at uh, yeah, working from home full time. Amazing. Like what, kind of like after and before work. Amazing. And where are you from originally? Yeah, I'm from Switzerland. Fantastic. So what an incredible character you are. You've got a lot of stuff going on in your life. You sound busy. Yes. I've been quite busy, yes. Especially recently. It's calmed down now. And do you have your own pets, by the way? My final question. Do you have your own pets in addition to all these yes. other ones you're looking after? Yes, I have two cats. Wow, you've got a lot on your hands. Well, listen, uh, definitely a bank holiday hero. And lovely to speak to you, Irene. Thank you very much. Lovely to speak to you too. This is Bush and Rich's Daily Takeaway. All right, we've got listener Jezza on the line who uh, said basically something incredible happened to him when he was making a bacon sarni earlier on. Jezza, tell us what happened. I couldn't believe it. I went in, opened up my bacon, and, well, I got the knife ready to stab the packet and cut it open. Saw the corner and it was just smiling at me. I gave it a little peel and it literally came off in one. I was like, no way, this... This just can't be happening. It doesn't normally happen. So just to confirm, and again, we, we have photographic evidence of this to, to clarify and to prove it, you've peeled the top of a pack of bacon open and it's come away in one go rather than going into loads of annoying little strands that you have to cut, which is what happens normally when you try and open bacon. In one go, and I did it all by myself. I was like, Wow. I'm actually going to go back down to Budgeons later and try another packet. It's like, um, I know, back in the day it would be like um, tears from a Virgin Mary. This is your modern miracle, yeah. Jezza. It's your modern domestic miracle. This is it. Yeah, this is, this is, this is the, the second or the third coming, this is. It is. And, and are you worried about the implications of then your house being turned into a place for pilgrimages, for people to go and visit this mir- miraculous pack of bacon? Well, do, do you know what? Every day I drive past Stonehenge, and I see all the queues up there and the people just stood there watching and I've, I've started to get fears now all day long I've, I've drove past them in today and I was like please God no don't let them be still outside my house like that not in all those anoraks that, that would just do me <laughs> I might have to turn to sausages Rob says I opened a yoghurt without getting any on the lid or the air bubble breaking very very rare that's a modern miracle Jay says all the socks in the clean laundry pile were not inside out and I made a matching pair. So it's the end of the uh, Easter break and uh, the kids are kind of going back to school. One of the other reasons why I'm quite relieved that people are going back to school is, and the Easter break is over is that it means they're going to stop showing pantos on CBeebies. Anyone else notice that? Whenever they've got like a, a bit of a break, uh, maybe a bit of a lull in the programmes, they always stick the pantos on. And the kids are sat there watching Shakespeare thinking, what's going on? Three-year-old watching Shakespeare... Uh, so we're absolutely bowled over by a listener, Jezza, who was on earlier on, talking about opening a pack of bacon to make a bacon sarnie. But opening it first time, uh, without the annoying streaks of plastic across the bacon wrapper, which you always get. And we've deemed it a modern miracle. If you've seen a domestic miracle, please report it on the show this evening. Warren says, I bought a popular cream egg with foil wrapped around it. 
When I took it to the till, it scanned using the barcode on the side first time. Modern miracle. I agree with that. Uh, we've got Alice on the line right now. Uh, apparently her house is the scene of a modern miracle that's happened in the past half an hour or so. Is that right, Alice? I can't look well. I just popped you on loudspeaker, actually. I just got in from work and it stood at the cooker and it was even got a glass of wine on the go. Who is this? Who is this person that stood at the cooker? A stranger? No, this is Sean. This is my husband-to-be. <laughs> OK, so does, it, does Sean appear to be cooking something? Well, yeah, there's a, well, there's a bit of a story against that as well. It's spaghetti bolognese. But oh. he actually missed... When he offered to cook me at this morning, he misspelled the uh, bag. <laughs> <laughs> so what did, what did he actually say? Slag bowl. <laughs> Slag bowl. <laughs> it was a nice miracle to come home from work to. Mr Mystery Base on Twitter... Great name, says, I banged my coffee porter filter once and the puck came out. It's very niche, this, but I am going to declare that a modern miracle, even though I don't 100% know what he means. Uh, Derb says, I plugged, plugged a USB cable in the right way round first time this morning. That's a modern miracle. And Heide Rui, who says, I managed to park near an empty car park to get a coffee at the local retail park and no one parked either side of me for a whole 20 minutes. Praise the Lord, a miracle has happened. Nick in Stoke is texted to say, Bush, I've just witnessed a modern miracle. On the M6, there was a black BMW that indicated to move. Unbelievable, and you were there to see it, my friend. Uh, modern miracles, my hubby is claiming him finding my credit card I lost down the side of my armchair when I said it wouldn't be there, as it's the first time in 30 years of marriage he's ever been right, says that person doesn't leave their name. Uh, thanks for that. We've got Joe on the line. Joe, have you witnessed a modern miracle? Well, I came back from the supermarket and I left a pack of toilet rolls on, on the stairs, hoping, blindly hoping, that maybe somebody else other than me would <laughs> take them upstairs. And, lo and behold, praise be, they were taken upstairs by a teenager. Wow, so that is that is genuinely a miracle. I mean, I'm, I get told off for this in our house. Katie, my other half, always says that I just step over stuff that's left on the stairs, clearly to be taken up. Well, they do, yes, all the time, all the time. But I don't know, there must be something in the air today, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder whether we need to start selling holy water from your house. Or it could be the new Lords. <laughs> if it makes me a few quid, I'm all up for that. Brilliant. Joe, good to speak to you. Take care. And you. This is Bush and Rich's Daily Takeaway. It's time to step into the unknown. Tuesday Tombola, 100 different phone-in topics drawn onto tennis balls in a gold Tombola. Flying solo tonight, so it means that producer Adam gets the, uh, the joy of spinning the wheel. Yes. Good action there, Adam. Thank you. And we just don't know, we don't know where this phone is going to take us right the way through till 7 o'clock. Live radio is most dangerous. It's ball number 71. Ball 71. Now that is, tell us a story about pets that are no longer with us. So if you've got uh, a pet that sadly is no longer here, it's passed over, uh, just consider me Derek Akora and tell me a story about them and what they've done that still stays with you. I'll chuck my own one in here, right? So I I've always named my pets after Everton players. So I had a rabbit called Sheedy once, uh, and we had a, I had a Russian hamster called Nevin, after Pat Nevin, still one of my favourite Everton players ever. Anyway, um, sad thing happened to uh, Nevin, the Russian hamster. He got his leg caught in the wheel uh, and had to have it amputated. So he was a three-legged hamster. We used to say he fell asleep at the wheel. 
But then he was fine. He lived in the in in his little cage in the, our bathroom for like another year, and then just escaped, disappeared out of the cage. No one knew what happened or whatever. And it was only like three years later on uh, that when they were getting the bathroom done, my parents, they found Nevin. God bless him. About four or five feet underneath where all the cupboards were. Obviously, fake documentation, looking to try and make a bid to escape, and it never quite panned out for him. And he's always had a special place in our heart for that reason. He nearly made it. Uh, and there's some great stuff coming in. Uh, Chloe says, we had a cat called... I can't say... I don't even know how to say that word. There's no vowels in the name of your cat. No, I don't want to offend you, Chloe, but it's called, like, Smud Hellhu. Smudge. Ah, Smudge. And who is stuck next to it? Let me read that again. We had a cat called Smudge, who used to climb up brick walls and back at people walking past the house. Unfortunately... Oh, dear. That gets... That goes dark. That, that text goes dark. Uh, let's move off. Let's move off that check before you read stuff out, Bush. That's the key learning from tonight's show. That went very dark. Uh, we have Gemma on the line uh, from a brilliant charity called Strength and Learning Through Horses. Uh, Gemma, tell us about uh, your pet or animal. I've got to tell you, he is still with us, but he's an amazing pet. Um, and um, his name's Thomas, and he's actually a horse at an equine therapy centre that I run in North London. And he okay. has both children. But the funny story is, is that on two occasions... He bucked, bucked me off and run home. And on, that was the first occasion. On the second occasion, he got spooked by a car when I was something called longlining him. Right. And um, he ran off down the road for a whole mile with these two long lines trailing in the middle of North London whilst I ran after him like an wow. idiot. So, but by yeah. saying, just, just to clarify for people listening at home, uh, you say he bucked you off. You mean like uh, he was kicking rather than just getting on your nerves over the course of the day? No, I think I was getting on his nerves and um, we were out for a ride and he just stuck his head in between his knees. Riders don't know what I mean. Got rid of me and then went home. Wow. Me. So he's strong-willed. Yeah. Uh, uh, he's Thomas is strong-willed. Strong he's enormous as well. He's 17 too. He's probably one of the biggest horses you'll ever meet. That's a lot of hands. Yeah, 17 two hands. Uh, some amazing tales being told this evening on the show. So Angela says, Puds, her cat, would only drink out of the bath. So you had to run the tap for him, and he loved eating our food more than his own. He uh, got on a bus and travelled 15 miles on his own, was prone to catching seagulls and squirrels. R.I.P. Puds, God bless him. Uh, Jane says, My cat uh, once ate the neighbour's turkey on Christmas Eve. 4pm, the shop shut. That's a bit of a nightmare. And Erlinger on Twitter says, When I was about 11, I used to play football with my border collie dog. He'd play goalie mostly. My most success successful way to get past him was by kicking the ball behind with my other foot, then sidestepping and running past. One day, I walked past the corner of the house and I saw him pushing the ball through his hind legs with his front legs and then doing a little jump and then pushing it with his nose. He didn't notice me, so I watched him do this several times, trying to figure out how to do it properly. He was practising football. Erlinger, what about that? The Daily Takeaway. Bush and Richie's Daily Takeaway.